big idea, but so young. It will never work. Zero experience. We'll see. Welcome back to an episode of Dorm Room to Boardroom. This is quite a special episode because I realize I'm interviewing all these amazing founders and CEOs and talking about their lives when they founded their companies in college. And you have no idea who I am or what my story is. <laughs> so I'm live from a conference in a podcasting booth. And I figured what then a better time than right now to tell my story. And I've brought a special guest with me, Miss Casey Evans, who runs Mount Social Media. You might have seen her around on our TikToks. She also, we went to college together kind of loosely. I went to Northeastern. She went to Boston University. She was roommates with my sister in college. We became better friends. Sorry, Abby. Uh, and now Casey works for Mount. So she not only knows the Mount story really well, but she knows my story because we semi grew up half of our lives together. So I brought her in on this episode to interview me for a special episode of Dorm Room to Boardroom on everything Maddie Rifkin's founder journey. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Um, I'm not an experienced interview like Maddie is, but I think this will be great practice and hopefully I don't be spastic. And we gave her some questions, so it's, it's all good. All right, let's dive in, Casey. What's your first burning question you want to ask me? Whew. How about a heavy hitter? Why did you want to be an entrepreneur? Ooh, that is a good one. Okay, so here's some context on my life. My grandparents are both entrepreneurs. That's how my family's met. My grandpa started a company and then hired my other grandpa to come run it. And that's how my parents met. They didn't start dating for much longer after. But Needless to say, entrepreneurship has been in my blood, in my family for years. I mean, I grew up hearing stories about how they founded their companies. This crazy story of how my grandpa grew up in New York, needed a job. No one would give him a job. So he sat in this guy's office with a Reuben sandwich, hoping the guy liked Reubens and would give him a job and it worked. <laughs> so scrappiness, risk taking, it was all built into my DNA. And I, you know, wanted to do something that was going to change the world. Didn't know what that was or how it was, but I think I had this weird sense of confidence being a kid where I was like, what's the big deal if I get this wrong? You know, let's just try it. I'm 12 years old. So I did. And I just kept that mindset as I got older. And I don't know if a lot of your viewers know this, but you are a triplet. Would you say that that factored into entrepreneurialism, if that's the <laughs> word, Wait, into your journey? Yes, you guys. This is why Casey's interviewing me, because I forget. No one knows I'm a triplet. I just always remember and think they think I know. That made no sense. <laughs> you get the point. Yeah, no, I'm a triplet. So there's two others, three sisters, Abby and Lacey. Shout out to them. They're awesome. But yeah, I mean, I'm the oldest triplet by a minute. So my claim to fame. And basically, I feel like because we grew up just triplets, you know, there was always like this crew and someone needed to lead it. So I was like, sounds like my place. So, you know, I would make decisions for us sometimes when no one else could and make some friends and and lead us along the way. So I do think that gives me a, a weird perspective now leading Mount because I've done it for so long with some very close friends of mine. Casey's seen us interact. What do you think? The triplet crew. I like you guys. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I think you're all very different, but... I mean, yeah, you did found your own company, so you seem to have taken charge, led the pack. I don't know if you've ever told it on the podcast, but how Mount started. How, cause I don't I think I have, actually. You kind of tell everyone at the conference that you were 12, but they probably want to know the backstory. That is, that is a good point. Yeah, so I do tell people I started the company when I was 12 because Mount, albeit the name now, it used to be called Mount Locks, and 
When I was 12 years old, I was in fifth grade at Grayland Country Day School in Denver, Colorado, and they had a Gates invention program, which was basically Shark Tank before its time. And we as students got to come before school and build an invention of sorts throughout the whole school year. And then at the end of the school year, we pitched in front of a panel of judges and they you know, got to choose who won. And so I decided to build a bike lock because I kept forgetting it, drove my mom nuts. I was like, all right, I'm just going to solve this problem. Uh, And so I decided to build a retracting bike lock that I built into the bike. My teachers helped me use some power tools, put it all together, got up and did the pitch as a 12-year-old. Most people did it with partners, but I was like, no, I'm going to do it alone. And so I did. Crazy. I don't know how I was not scared back then because public speaking up until a few years ago was like my worst fear. Terrifies me still. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) But I ended up winning that competition. So I won a patent for it and went through that process. So I I ended up getting a fully funded and granted patent to me when I was 15 years old. Took three years to get through the government um, and had that under my belt. And I was like, that was amazing. But then, you know, I decided to be a um, high school student for a minute, (laughs) had fun. So I didn't really do Mount then. But then when I got to Northeastern University, I studied entrepreneurship to no one's surprise. Uh, And I founded Mount Locks because I was like, all right, if I'm going to be in school and working on business models for theoretical businesses, what a waste of time. (laughs) I'm going to do it for my own product, my own project and make it a real company. So I got to school and that's really when I got to work. And that's when I met Casey. Yeah. I know you said your grandfathers, but any other role models, maybe like females or anyone in the industry or? I do now. Yeah. I mean, I've always had, I wouldn't call them mentors because they don't know who I am. I mean, Sarah Blakely is one I've always looked up to just because, I mean, her company's very different than Mount in the products, but also in the way it was started. Hers was completely bootstrapped. I think she put in like two or $5,000, something like that, and took it and ran with it. And so she didn't have to answer to VCs until much later, but just the grit and like the amount of no's people told her and she just kept persevering. So I always kept that story in my back pocket just because while I was fundraising for Mount, while I was in college, I heard over 400 no's, I want to say, and people saying, ah, oh, this isn't going to work. It's a terrible idea. Keep trying. And, you know, you can't let that get to you because a lot of people are going to tell you no until they start saying yes. So that's one. My other role models that I really look up to, Whitney Wolf heard absolutely 100%. She's the youngest female to take a company public. She was 31. Hoping to beat her and do that by the time I'm 30. I'm 26 right now, so I got four years. So putting that out there, Whitney, if you're listening. But, I mean, she's phenomenal. She took a company public proved to the world that, you know, it isn't men that just do this, although she has gotten a lot of scrutiny from the public eye that men don't get. Uh, So still that stereotype out there, but she's doing it. She's pushing past boundaries. And just that company is phenomenal. Bumble is is one of the coolest companies, I think, built for women by women. You know, and then there's other ones like (laughs) this one's a really random one, but I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight's memoir, I guess you would call it, about his journey founding Nike. And I read it almost at least once a year because I get something new from it every time. But his entrepreneurial journey of just pushing through, persevering, and that company was on the float, which means they were making money, but they were spending money to keep growing. And they had to do that up until they went public. And I think the first time they tried a public offering, it it was very different back then, but it wasn't as successful as it was now. So his story, if you haven't read that book, I would definitely suggest it. So on the Mount team, we like to say that Maddie is like an onion because we just learn more and more about her every time you hang out with her. Um, It's always a surprise. She likes to have these crazy life stories and just blurt them out randomly. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how is your life real? So I was thinking maybe you could tell some of your viewers about something that happened in high school. I don't want to ruin anything if you feel like putting that on the Internet. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I like how how discreet you were with that. (laughs) It's a crazy story. Casey's alluding to the fact that I was hit by a car when I was 16. So if you are familiar with the movie Twilight and how Becca almost gets hit by the car and then a vampire saves her, 
yeah, the vampire didn't save me. I was legitimately hit by the car. I joke, but, um, you know, I was 16. I was in my high school parking lot. We had all just learned how to drive. I think it, it was December. So I, I just turned 16 in September. So it was, it was really recent. I was getting my backpack out of the car. And my one sister, Abby, was with me. Lacey had an off period, so she was still asleep. But Abby screams. She's like, Maddie, watch out. There's a car coming towards you. Something like that. And I turn around. And I don't know why, but it happened in slow motion. And I just see this car coming right towards me. And I was like, holy shit. And I don't know how I did it, but... And I actually can't verify that this is true. But what I think happened is I was able to jump into the air a little into the trunk. And instead of the car smashing my entire torso, it just crushed my right leg. I don't know why it didn't crush my leg left. I was hit by a car and the ambulance came. A whole slew of events took place, ended up in the hospital, had to get many surgeries. It was at first looking like it was going to be a two-year recovery. So I was in a wheelchair in crutches, had to learn how to rewalk you know, had surgeries on the leg and all that stuff. But it was really fascinating what took place after that, because going into that car accident, I was a super shy kid. You know, I didn't want to stir the pot. And I really remember this because I was in a band and I was a drummer. And the first day I sat in the corner, actually, behind the drum set, because there was an older drummer in the band. I, I was learning from him, essentially. And they asked me if I wanted to play. And I said, no, thank you. Because <laughs> I was so afraid that I was going to mess up and just couldn't fathom playing in front of these people, which is funny that I had signed up for band. And then when that car hit me and my leg was broken, I couldn't play the drums anymore. I couldn't play basketball. I couldn't snowboard, like all these amazing things I love to do. It was all taken away from me. And in that moment, I was like, why the hell was I being so shy? You know, was, what was the point of that? Why was I making myself small to try and fit into this box everyone thought I was supposed to fit into when really I have a big personality and wanted to just take over the world? But, you know, growing up, people were like, ah, you're bossy. You're too loud. La, la, la. Like, stop, stop talking. So I was like, all right, all right, I'll be shy. And then, yeah, that car took me down and I was like, all right, I could do one of two things. I could get really sad and distraught in this moment and blame the world for my problems. Or I could spin this into something positive and, and start taking on the world and doing what I wanted. So that's what I did. I became the most outgoing person you've met, probably a little annoying. Uh, and I was like, let's go take over the world. Here's my goals. Here's what I want to do. And, and let's go do it. So I actually got back behind the drum set when my leg was healed, led our, our band to some world tours, played in Italy, Switzerland, all around the U.S., and started really thinking what I wanted out of life and how I wanted to change the world. And I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to start a company. So that's what ended up happening. There was an onion peel there, too. The world drumming just casually slipped in. This isn't as deep as maybe the entrepreneurial questions, but what else do you do on your free time? Because you highlighted it. You drum, you snowboard. I'm a big what golfer. Else? I love the golf. My dad always joked growing up because it was me and my three sisters. He's like, one of you needs to learn how to golf so you can get on the, the course when you're older and do some business. And I was like, me, sign me up. Sounds like me. So I learned how to golf simply so I could join the men on the course and, and make some deals. And it's already paid off, you guys. I threw a golf tournament last year and we had 80 golfers and took over the world. It was awesome. When it comes to really starting a business now, because that's what we dive into on Dorm Room to Boardroom uh, and how you get started. And I always ask founders at the end of the podcast, like, what is your piece of advice? A lot of people are like, you just got to get started. But to shed some light on kind of how I took Mount from this bike lock idea while I was in college to what it is today, which is we're on a massive mission to change the way you travel. So we go all over the world finding the best hidden gems from the locals, bringing them online and then allow travelers to book those through Airbnb properties or just our large community so that you can have authentic, local, responsible, sustainable travel. Like we're really, really big into that. But it didn't start like that. And there were a lot of ups and downs. I mean, there still are. Entrepreneurship is crazy. 
But I think when I first got started, I thought, all right, I have an idea. Let's go raise money. And I think a lot of people in college think that way. Like they don't tell you there's there's other ways to do it. And if I had to do it all over again, I mean, actually, I guess in the beginning, Matt was bootstrap because no one would fund us. <laughs> but honestly, for me, you just got to keep listening to the customers. I would just keep talking to people over and over and over again, asking them about Mount, pitching the idea, getting feedback. I'm like, how can I make this better? At one point, I hopped on a plane and flew to an Airbnb host's house. Why I didn't do it in the, the state I was in, ask me later. But we ended up going out to the house and I lived near them for about two weeks and just studied what was going on, how Mount could help, really became friends with that host. And that really helped Mount and me understand the industry. And then the other big thing, which was just a massive leap of faith, is I would just show up to conferences. I'd buy a singles ticket or I would just kind of sneak in because I was broke. Uh, and I would just network the hell out of you know the industry. When you're a college student, no one says no to you. They want to help you. They want to mentor you. They want to give advice. And so I leveraged that. During COVID, I think I talked to over like 200, 300, 400 people in a matter of a few months. And then the industry, when they had the conference, they were like, oh my God, I met you. You're Maddie. Are you from Mount? <laughs> and it was just incredible to see. So some tidbits on just how to get started from one founder to another. And you touched on it on your TikTok, which where Maddie gives advice. So you guys should definitely check that out as well. But do you have any tips for maybe other founders that are going to conferences alone? Because you talked about how hard that is. And yeah, it was really daunting at first, especially as a you know female in the industry. You get hit on by a lot of weird men that you don't want. I mean, it's just sometimes how it goes. But uh, I mean, yeah, it was. I'd have a few conferences I'd go to where I was just meeting people left and right. Like you just gotta be okay with walking up to a group of people, introducing yourself. And then what I learned is like you meet one or two people share your story, tell them you're young, you want to learn, you're hungry, you're eager. And then the amount of doors those people that you first meet are going to open is huge. Because it, what they happens is like, hey, you need to meet this person. Let me go introduce you. You need to meet this person. I need. Uh, let me go introduce you. And when you get an introduction from someone else, it makes it less awkward. Uh, but then it snowballs from there. And then, you know, hour passes, you've met like 30 people. And you never know who the person you're meeting is going to really help you. I mean, I know at my first conference, and it's funny because we're actually in his podcast booth right now, but I met Steve from Aperto and I had seen him from afar. I'd seen him on LinkedIn and I'm like, if I can meet this one person and tell him what I'm doing at Mount and just tell him, I think, you know, we could work together. I think what Mount is doing, could, they could benefit from like, I want to see what happens. And that's exactly what happened at the conference. I put that intention out there and then I totally got to meet Steve. And then he he basically validated the idea for Mount. He's like, this is exactly what I want to do with Operto. We didn't know how to build it. We don't want to build it. Can we work with you guys? And then I was able to use that story in my fundraising pitch. And that's absolutely how I raised my pre-seed funding. You can go back and watch my five-minute pitch. I talk about Steve. So a weird full circle moment we're having right now because he has sponsored this podcast booth. <laughs> so thank you, Steve, if you're listening. Thanks, Steve. And do you have any advice since you spoke about funding for people that are trying to fundraise? Yeah. And honestly, we should absolutely go deeper into this because fundraising is so weird. I mean, if you look at founders on LinkedIn, they're portraying fundraising as if it happens in a week that they got money from Jeff Bezos and they were able to raise a few million dollars as if they snapped their fingers. And that's really how I thought fundraising happened. I thought if I talked to one or two people, I could pitch them my idea and they'd say yes. And I could ask for a million dollars and have no plan on how to use that. It was crazy. That's not at all how it happens. And I really like to put this out there because I'm really fed up with the founders that are painting this fake picture. If you are starting with absolutely no network, which me, I was, I was a college student. Like I had to go out and just meet people, angels, other types of investors and build that network for over two years 
before I could even try and ask for money. And then from there, you know, you start having this network. So then you can start having conversations. But if you've never pitched to an investor before, it's not like you're just like, hi, I'm Maddie Rifkin. Can I have $100,000? No, you have to like really craft your story. And for me, you know, you're hearing the story on this podcast, but it's, it starts from my journey as a 12-year-old. And you have to show the passion. When you're a founder, if you can't convey the fact that you're in this for the long haul, especially as a college student fat chance people are going to be investing because they want their money to go somewhere where they know that you are passionate and you are going to get what you deserve. So we should definitely dive deeper into that later. But it's it's a process that is long, laborious. You're going to hear so many no's. People might be semi-rude in their fact that they don't think this is going to work. And you just have to let it roll off your shoulders and not bother you. And that's a hard mindset to get to. You have to be comfortable with the no's. Get rejected a lot, a lot of times. Casey, how do you handle the nose? <laughs> when I raise my million dollars. <laughs> I'd be really curious to know, since we've been friends for so long, like, has Mount changed your life at all? Now I'm being interviewed. <laughs> Maddie has switched. <laughs> I took it over. I took the podcast over. For sure. I actually touched about this in a TikTok that I haven't posted yet. But coming out of college, I studied film. If I were to go into the film industry, I'd probably just be holding a light right now and listening to this whole thing happen. But instead, I'm filming a podcast for the first time. Mount and working in a startup has allowed me to just grow so much. Um, I was talking to Maddie about this, but literally probably two, three months ago, I went to a conference and I was terrified of just speaking to anyone and I would like pray that people wouldn't come out to me because I was just so nervous I was like what do I say how do I pitch mount and now I feel just like invigorated and excited to talk to people and it's just so much fun and I don't think I would have gotten that in a big company I'd probably like barely even interact with the CEO or anything like that and I also just get to travel all the time and film and combine everything I love into one mount. The team is incredible. We actually all get along, which in big companies, that's usually not a thing. You're hopefully going to like a few people. But the fact that all of us like enjoy hanging out, we went to Breckenridge and just had the best time ever. It was magical. And everyone's just hanging out. Very chill group of travelers, which I feel like that's why we all get along. Mount has changed the game. Now I go on trips and I'm like, let me talk to a local and find the hidden gem and go on that experience. Like, I did not do that before. I probably just followed my parents around or just like looked online for things. So it's for sure changed me in every aspect of my life. And it's the best place to work. And I couldn't be more grateful. Not sponsored. (laughs) I mean, I just like to hire people where I'm like, I don't know how exactly you fit into Mount, but you have good energy. You seem amazing. And we're just going to discover your superpower when you get here. And actually, interestingly enough, it took me a while to learn that lesson because when I was starting Mount in college, I really just didn't want to do it alone. I was so scared. Talk about needing a co-founder. But you really got to be methodical about like how you find that co-founder, what that means to you and... To me, and again, this is kind of what I thought entrepreneurship and startup world was like. I was like, I guess I can't do it alone because no one does it alone. Everyone's like, you need a co-founder. Go find a co-founder. And so, you know, I think looking back on it, what and also I'm I really need to find this stat or even do the research myself because I am very much a believer that the reason startups fail, like one of the biggest reasons in the early stages is that you've chosen the wrong co-founder or you just can't find a relationship that works and the company ends up just splitting up, not because it was a bad idea, but simply because you guys can't get along. And that happens more often than not. 
And so I'm a big believer that there should be one visionary at the company, because if you have more than one visionary, you're going to take it in different directions and you're not going to align and you're going to fight. But if you have one visionary and you're able to build a team around that visionary where you have executors, you have believers, you have just a really strong team, all with different skill sets. That's what makes a startup truly remarkable. And that's why you should invest in the early stages of a company is not the, the, not the idea. It's going to change a thousand times, but really the team and honestly, like a founding team. And I feel like that's what we built at Mount. It, it took us like two and a half years to do that because you don't just find amazing talent out of the blue that's going to drop everything and come work for you. But when you do find those amazing people, giving them a place where they can find their superpower, feel empowered, own it, and really help a specific part of the business grow. I think that's really how you start forming that team. So if you're listening to this, if you are in college and you are a founder, even if you're not in college and you're a founder, like I would be super methodical in who you're hiring and be thoughtful and intentional about it. Like you don't have to just call them a co-founder right when you meet them to found a business. Like they can start in some type of operations, finance, marketing, you know, I'd call it business development role or engineering and have them rise the ranks and make sure you're good at working together and that relationship is building and strengthening. Don't just jump into a co-founder relationship right off the bat. And then, you know, once you get to know them, you can level it up and and be like, all right, we're ready to take this to the next level. Honestly, it's a little like dating. (laughs) It's not like you're going to marry someone right away. (laughs) But, you know, it's the team is the most important thing when it comes to a startup. It's not even the idea. So I would not jump into anything too quickly. Well, it's been great interviewing you guys. Maddie is the most inspiring person. As a friend, I just wanted to be surrounded by her all the time, grow from her, learn from her. She's also just like the kindest friend, most caring person ever, very self selfless. You're going to make um, me cry. <laughs> but as a boss, she's amazing too. Could not ask for a better boss. Thank you for letting me be on here. And hopefully you could do more of these and next time yeah. maybe have a professional If you happen to listen to this... Come join us on our TikTok and leave us a comment because I want to know who's in our community that's starting some companies and I want to help you guys. Yes, that'll be awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye.